would have been before we get into it i need to remind you that i've got a patreon if you don't know what that is it's where people can support their favorite content creators and it's where i can basically create premium and behind the scenes content to help traders profit more on their football index journeys and basically help them become better traders if you go over to p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash fi guide that's patreon.com forward slash fi guide you can basically check out the four different tiers on offer three pounds basically gets you the early access to the podcast and also five minutes extra on every Sunday figcast out there. The five pound offer gets you a monthly blog post and a monthly podcast from myself private to those patrons only. The eight pound tier gets you access to the fig discord, which is a place where some of the best traders on the platform hang out and chat. And uh, it's it's really awesome. Really enjoy it in there. And the 12 pound tier gets you access to fig webinars, which is where all the juicy stuff is. That is where people, guests or myself come and do a webinar every month for, you know, 45, 50, 60 minutes. And last month's was by FI Sigmund on the psychology of football index, which I really, really enjoyed. And I'll definitely be putting out some snippets of that on youtube and such so do go check out the patreon p-a-t-i-e-o-n.com forward slash f-i guide i also need to let you folks know that this podcast is supported by footballindextrader.co.uk the best site for in-depth scouting and trading strategy the new season is well underway and the scouting area is already jam-packed with analysis over 50 players reviewed every single game week plus high quality and trusted market analysis each week to help make sense of the recent choppy market to see the site yourself for just Go to the homepage and click on the Take the Tour button. You can see a whole month of example player scouting from this season and some sample member articles too. As an exclusive offer for podcast listeners, you can give the site a try with a 25% discount on your first month with the code FIG25. Hello and welcome back to the Football Index Podcast, episode 159. If you guys didn't catch me and Panda talking about about 150 million different things last Thursday, then do definitely check that out and check out the previous episodes of the show as well. The last Fitcast Extra was actually the 200th show that I've published, which is pretty incredible. So I really appreciate all the support up until now. Uh, on today's show, I am joined by two people who are best known in the Slack community, Index Games Slack community, but also on their appearances or contributions to the Football Index Roundtable podcast. Uh, first up, uh, Trading Bear, how are you doing? Very well. I was just going to say I'm, I'm fairly well known in the Bear community as well. <laughs> And also a previous podcast, the predecessor to the um, roundtable, right? Indeed, yeah. I, I suppose many people who are new to Football Index uh, wouldn't have realised I did my own podcast many moons ago now uh, under the name Trading Bear Podcast, RIP. RIP. I hope we see it one day again or some, you know, some form of it. Um, but that you know it's tough to keep up a daily podcast isn't it yeah it is and that was the reason why i stopped doing it just due to the time demands really for those that don't know it was a 10 minute uh, show every single day and just covering the, the, the day's events and yeah ultimately just time kept uh caught up with me and hence we had the the round table uh, a few months or a few few years later weirdly it's one of those things a podcast where if there's more cooks it's actually better 
Um, it's one of the yeah. unique things. <laughs> I, I don't think people quite realise just how much effort an uptake it does take into you. Um, so for those that don't realise just how much effort um, the roundtable or indeed yourself, Fig, or, or anyone who produces a show, it's a lot of hard work. So, so fair play to, to anyone who, who creates the content. And why don't you tell us a bit more about your, yourself, your background and your football index journey so far? Um, so my background, I started in August 2018, so just over two years now. Uh, I, I've moved over from cryptocurrency. Uh, I was in that for about a year and a half. And I moved over to, to Football Index through a, a Findex Frog, actually. I, I knew Findex Frog prior to Football Index. Uh, we were in the same circles for fancy football. And he was the actual person that introduced me to Football Index to start off with. Forever grateful uh, for him for that. Uh, and that's how I started, really. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, you know, have you taken anything from your, your crypto trading days forward? I suppose that's going to be useful once we have a, an actual order book in place. Yeah, uh, that, that's the main thing, isn't it? So, w- experience with using order books and knowing what the market depth looks like. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about market depth, uh, given the <laughs> climate, but but certainly, hopefully, going forward, then yeah, that will give me a little bit of a head start. <laughs> well, you're not alone. We're also joined by another debutant, uh, TC, another contributor to the roundtable and a Slack regular on Index Gain Slack. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on, and congrats on the 200. Um, thank you. How are you doing? I'm very well. Here's the 200 more, I guess. Um, why don't you tell people a bit more about yourself, DC? Yeah, sure. So um, I work in business and IT change, and it's basically sort of my job to... What exactly is that? Yeah, so <laughs> IT change is basically... Okay, we are where we off. are. <laughs> we are where we are today. Um, what do we need to do to our product to get it to where we want to be tomorrow? That's the IT side. And then the business side is all the people and processes that go around your IT. Um, so Football Index for me has been quite an interesting case study, I guess, um, because it's my job day to day to understand problems and opportunities and work with people to decide what we need the technology and processes to deliver. Um, so with Football Index, there are a, a number of problem statements or opportunities that come about and they come about in varying uh, degrees of priority um, depending on the market at any point in time. So that's been really interesting. Yeah, so I've, I've been on the index for about two years. Um, joined a similar time to Trade & Bear. Uh, since then, I've experimented with lots of different strategies um, going from, okay, buy and hold solid div earners, then, okay, I'll have a tinker with IPDs, um, and then moving more towards my current strategy, which is sort of short to medium term um, trend trading. And that transition, I mean, what has brought that about, you know, going from uh, one extreme to the other? Has there been any particular reasons, enjoyment factors, etc.? Yeah, there's there's a few reasons. One one is enjoyment, and I, I like trading in and out of players. Um, that definitely appeals to me. Whereas I know to some people they like sitting and holding diverners and, and celebrating the PB wins and and seeing that um, cost price compared to the value um, of their bet that they've placed change over time. People like that. Whereas I, I like the quick win. Um, I like monitoring what's going on in in terms of instant sale prices and how prices fluctuate um, depending on the, the moods of traders. Um, but also, I guess, 
I made a couple of successful trades um, whilst I was in the PB Diverna um, camp. And those successful trades didn't take me long to get a decent amount of profit. So I just stuck with that, really. Awesome. Well, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about, you know, the way you trade, etc. And, and also the way Bear trades in throughout the podcast. But before we go into some miscellaneous com- uh, questions and nice comments, I need to plug my other podcast, the State of Play podcast. Go check that out. Um, it's a podcast about the top five leagues in Europe and also about the MLS. If you just search at State of Play pod on Twitter, you'll find it or on your podcast app of your choice. Just type in State of Play podcast and you will find it there. Got a question in from Perry FI from the Fig Discord. Uh, rank these podcasts in order of quality. Fig Roundtable and the Trading Bear podcast. Is he trying to get me in trouble there? Well, probably. Uh, it's definitely some sort of bait. It is, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm not going to lower myself down to it. Well, well, I will partially. Um, well, they say the originals are uh, always the best, don't they? And as I'm your guest in this episode, uh, I figure it'd be rude <laughs> really not to say yours is the first, wouldn't it? Um, so, so I'll put you as first, as you were the inspiration for myself creating uh, Trading Bear podcast to begin with. Uh, the round table, I'd put a very close second. Um, to be fair with all the other people that produce the content along with myself, so the likes of Nick and Chris and Paul and uh, Ben and obviously TC himself. Um, and hopefully people enjoy the different content that we, that we offer. Uh, with uh, sadly trading bear podcast it has to be a distant third doesn't it really? RIP RIP I mean very modest and, and humble of yourself to put yourself last but you know it is what it is really I, I think it has to go last uh, <laughs> round table and think. Um, we've got a question here from Luar Luar uh, how do you think the advertising push is going uh, I guess this was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek question but I've basically seen a complete stop in digital advertising from FI's side. I think they've probably got some contracts with with Sky and other TV providers and maybe some newspapers and stuff, and there's still some stuff going on in the background. But the stuff that they control, they've just turned off the taps. I, I was presuming everyone is in agreement that's a smart thing to do, considering the state of the market at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to CC off air about this, and he gave a very blunt one-word answer, which I won't repeat. Um, but you can probably guess uh, along the lines of what answer he gave. I'm, I'm sure he expanded that on a minute. Uh, but from my point of view, you can have all the marketing you want. Um, but if the core product is not delivering on its on its key mechanics, then it, it almost becomes irrelevant. Uh, and I think that's almost the situation we're in at the moment. Uh, on the positive side of things, I'm following the championship a lot more being an Irish fan this year. Uh, and it is very visible on the advertising boards of football grounds in the Premier League and a championship, obviously, with Forest and QPR. So that's the positive side of things. But as I said, if the core product is not delivering, then it's not going to have too much effect. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's almost like as a new customer, what you want when you come in is the most appetising yields and things to be right at the bottom. But it's almost like that's not how we want to introduce new customers to Football Index and they'll likely want to see players going up, not down. Well, m- most people do want to buy into rises and not when things are falling, right? That's It's kind of counter, you know, the psychology behind it is is opposite to what humans actually feel when they see loss, if that makes sense. They don't look at loads of red numbers and go, wow, I'm all in now. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, especially if you're, you're new and, and you've not, not really dabbled in it before, you see these price graphs then. It, even even if I'd seen an advert, if I came to log onto the app and I saw that everyone was just going down, I would probably be thinking twice. 
Yeah, it's unfortunate, isn't it? Because this was supposed to be a marketing push for the ages, right? This was going to be the biggest one yet. And then you start tying in NASDAQ whenever that's integrated. And and suddenly you, you, you look at how you're pushing this product. And the only way would have been in, in, in such a positive way, considering all the all the things ongoing in terms of, you know, the dividend increases, the yields, as you mentioned, and, and also this kind of new fancy tech partnership um which would have made it a lot easier for fi to attract customers but at the moment it's it's more about retention for them um and if they pick up any new customers along the way until this transitional period is ended then it's kind of a bonus isn't it yeah i think that's 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 definitely fair um and transitional period is probably the best best way to describe it i think (laughs) (laughs) it's it's the kindest and, and probably the most reflective right We've got a question here from FI Headhunter. If you had to pick an FI six-a-side team of keeper, two defenders, two midfielders, and one attacker to leave for the next five years to collect your dividends while you did a five-stretch, who would you pick? Well, first of all, I'm a bit concerned what I've done to get a five-year stretch. (laughs) But... (laughs) I read this. I read the question, and I was like, "Yeah, what? <laughs> what?" <laughs> but presuming it wasn't anything too dodgy, uh, I'll probably go with uh, Donnarumma at the back. And if I'm looking at five years, I'm looking for players that are 23 or under, uh, so they're they're reaching 28 by the time the sell point to to get their peak years. So all my players, I'm about to say, are under the age of 23. Uh, so Donnarumma and goal, uh, I think you have to go Trent, uh, despite the, the recent tactics change, although he was good last night, wasn't in the Champions League for Liverpool. Alongside Trent, I'm a little bit stuck, uh, but I've gone Fia Hernandez, the AC Milan fullback, just purely for his consistency, uh, and he's playing for France, so he's got the Euros and the World Cup in, in that time period, so he's got a good chance there of the summer tournaments, and he might move from AC Milan, but uh, I'll talk about AC Milan later, later on, uh, but I, I think they'll, they'll do a good good spell in the next coming years. So Theo and TAA at the back. Kimmich and Foden in the midfield. Uh, I think Joshua Kimmich is Mr. Consistency and I think he'll remain that way for the, at least the next three, three, four years, if not the full five-year period. Phil Foden, I expect him to take over from KDB eventually. I don't think KDB is going to be around for the next five years. So at some point, maybe the midpoint, the halfway point, Foden will hopefully take over from KDB in terms of stringing the passes together and the playmaking there. And I've gone for Mbappe up top, uh, again, purely because he, he looks like he's adding to his base scores. His base scores is, is rising this season. And he's just Mr. Dependent, isn't he, in terms of his price? No matter what happens on his <laughs> no matter how many dividends he yet to win, for some reason his price just remains static or towards the top. So he's he's my safe hold if there is such a thing. Any changes for UTC out of that lineup? Uh, just a couple. So I'd, I'd go for Donnarumma and Trent as well. I think I think I'd want that consistency, um, and it'd be a nice buzz to get in in prison, I guess, whilst. Just picking up your monthly PB win from Trent. Um, I've gone for a different defender, though. I've gone for Purvis Estupinian. Um, I like his underlying stats. I think he's got a big move in him. Um, but that's really one of my gambles there. Um, I think the underlying stats are good enough um, that people haven't clocked on. So, yeah, I quite like him. I think it'd be remiss of us to you know, uh, not mention Hakimi. 
maybe even a Pumacano, who's got a big move in the future and, and seems to do quite well um, PB scoring-wise. There's obviously um, Sancho in the midfield, uh, potentially Erling Haaland. Maybe someone would go for someone even younger, you know, a, a Ryan Cherky, um, uh, a someone like that maybe um, in those positions. My, my change in midfield would actually be Gravenberch. I'd, I'd stick okay. him in. Um, I'd put him alongside Kimmich. Um, I wouldn't do Foden and Gravenberch because I wouldn't want the uh, sort of what if their careers don't pan out as expected. Mm. Um, but no, I'd, I'd like a punt on uh, Gravenberch, I think. Fair. Uh, we've got a question here from Divi Rascal. Uh, question for Trading Bear. Which of the following celebrity bears do you envisage being the best FI trader? Please show your working. Paddington Bear, Yogi Bear, Winnie the Pooh, Bear Grylls. Um and then he says, question for TC. Sorry, I'm drunk and can't think of any TC puns. I've got nothing. So the stage is yours, trading there. Poor old TC. Uh, I'm glad he's putting, please show you're working, because I, I should have said in my bio at the start of the show, I'm actually a maths teacher. So it's always important to show your workings, isn't it, uh, going forward? Uh, in order then, so we've got Paddington Bear, Yogi Bear, Winnie the Pooh, and who's the other one, sorry? Fig? Bear Grylls. Oh, of course, Bear Grylls. Um, I'm going to go with Yogi Bear. Yogi Bear for number one. I mean, his catchphrase, what's his catchphrase? He's smarter than the average bear or something like that, isn't it? And he wears a tie, so that gives him bonus points, doesn't it? Uh, so I'm going to go Yogi Bear number one. Uh, I'd probably go Bear Grylls number two. Uh, he's, he likes to survive in the wilderness, doesn't he? And he's always got a plan up his sleeve. So I reckon he's pretty handy. I'd, I'd go Bear Grylls number two. Moving down the list, number three would probably be Paddington Bear. He'd probably give you a good inside track on the South American prodigies coming through, wouldn't he? Uh, <laughs> the next Nobby Solano, if you want. But he does have the second worst statue lookalike that I've ever seen in Panic Station. So he loses a point for that, I'm afraid. Uh, have you seen that, that statue, by the way? I've I've seen it on social media, yeah. It's horrendous. Second only to that horrendous Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I was about to say, it reminds us of all the, the, the awful Ronaldo one. And uh, it's, it's, it's on the island that he was born, isn't it? Madeira. Madeira, yeah. Uh, it looks awful. Like one of those art attack ones, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Literally does, yeah. Um, interesting question. Yeah, Divi Rascal seems a smart chap and um, keeps up coming up with those uh, good questions. Um, before we move on, need to remind you folks that this podcast is sponsored by Index Gain. Uh, they've recently introduced spread monitoring where uh, Buzzbot now monitors all the action happening underneath the buy price via the changing player spreads. The big spread moves are now posted to their brand new channel, um, Premium Spread Alerts, and very soon straight to your phone via notifications for the players you're holding and watching. If you guys are interested, head over to indexgain.co.uk and use the code FIG. 2020 for five quid off your first month or you can get uh one month free um with your six month membership and five quid off you can also get a discount on their quarterly membership now if you are a mid-term index gainer so do check that out i mean you you folks are both big fans so why don't you give them a quick uh plug as well so you're not just getting your notifications on your movements um you get in the knowledge and insight from a load of traders um, match day chat is quite useful for injuries and suspensions and potentially players changing or taking set pieces. Um, but that along with the range of stats that you can get from it is re- really makes it a core cool part of my trading. 
Yeah, uh, my favourite things uh, on Index Game is the player info commands where you just type in IG player info, whatever the player's name is, and you get all the instant info for that player straight away, including the latest PB scores, uh, whether he's on corners, free kicks, that sort of thing. Uh, and also the, the alerts that you get at the start of the day in the morning in terms of price rises or decreases. So yeah, well worth it, money that. Awesome. Very kind words from you both. Uh, got a question here from FI Yeti. Um, do you think FI will make any announcements on the last day of the bo- birthday bonus to improve sentiment and increase trading? And if so, what m- we may see if you are correct. So Trading Bear, why don't you go into this a little bit? Uh, obviously, the bonus is due to end uh, this Friday. Do you envisage or predict anything to be announced by FI this week? I'm going to go against the grain here and say no in short, uh, purely, as he said, this week at the end of that question. Uh, I think the follow-up trader panels, which I believe you're on, Fig, next week? I am, yes. I believe they're the same groups that they had on before. Yeah, so so the follow-up to those trader panels and the results of those will be the next port of communication for me, uh, with, with the major elements that improve sentiment and trading be the implementation of market depth from NASDAQ integrations. And I think it's not until we get the firm dates on arrival for those that's going to ease the community. So in terms of announcements, no, I don't think we'll get anything this week. I think it'll be next week. I'm going to go the opposite. Um, I think they're going to make an announcement. I think most times when they come into the end of a bonus, they make announcements. I think... The market's kind of stalling in a little bit, um, so Football Index might detect that. As to whether it will improve sentiment and trading, uh, that's going to depend on what they announce um, and the level of detail they provide in that announcement. It could be um, firm dates about NASDAQ and market makers. It could be confirmed news, which I think if we've got confirmed market makers coming in at some point, this year that's great news in itself um but equally if if it's basically no news or bad news then then it's it's not going to go down too well so i'm hoping in that case they they say nothing that's that's also why i don't think there'll be an announcement you mentioned and i agree with you tc that you're hoping it's it's going to be no news or bad news realistically what can they do or what have they been able to do in three weeks in terms of the major improvements that everyone wants to see i.e the nasdaq and the market def realistically what can they do in that three-week period i think that's that i think that's the, the crux of it right i think i've said to a few people you know what would they potentially announce uh extending the bonus i don't know um is it going to be something gimmicky again i hope not i think people are completely bored they're actually fatigued from those gimmicky things I think, you know, the buck starts, uh, stops with liquidity. And, you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk about what FI can and can't do uh, in terms of changing mechanics, uh, changing X and Y. But a lot of these things are quite remiss if you don't have liquidity in the market. And I think that is the major upheaval that has to happen. That's not an easy thing that happens overnight in terms of getting market makers on board. Or maybe that does happen alongside the NASDAQ integration. We, I think that's some of the bits of clarity that we don't really have at the moment. I, I agree with that. And I, I don't think we necessarily need that clarity right now. It's almost like the this sort of anticipation of an announcement generates in itself the need for an announcement. Because people are like, okay, well, I won't spend now because I'll wait and see what Football Index do. Um, and as you say, key key to all of this is liquidity, whether that's through Football Index themselves getting a bit smarter with how they use LP1 or whether it's through external market makers. The, 
the the answer to all of it is smart use of liquidity and and the cash reserves if they don't have an update on that for me then i'd just rather they stay quiet and just let us get on yeah i, I mean trading bear what what uh, you know you mentioned depth there uh we talked liquidity just now um what do you want to see in the next three months uh, apart from those things i mean there are so many other things mooted that that could happen uh what i want to pick your brain on that it, for me, the, the most important thing is the the firm dates, and just to give some confidence to the market. I mean, it's the same as any other market, isn't it? Be it cryptocurrency, currencies themselves, actual stocks. If there's uncertainty in the market or an uncertainty in a company as to what direction they're going to go in, then their price is going to drop, and that's the same whether it's Football Index or whether it's Amazon or Microsoft or whatever, isn't it? And f- from what I personally would like to see is better leadership. Because I think that's what's missing at the moment. I think there's a lot of, yes, it's great that they're engaging the community, but it gets to a point where who's leading who? Are we leading them when they should be leading us? And so for me, if I was going to be ultra critical, I'd like to see better leadership and firm dates as to when they're going to introduce these critical parts. What about yourself, TC? Yeah, for for, for me, it is, it is about firm dates. And I think that's a really valid point Bear's made there about who's leading who um it's nice to listen to customers but from experience customers don't always know what they want they think they know what they want they tell you they absolutely desperately need something then it you give it to them and they go oh not like that and it's it's something i experience in my job and if we've potentially already seen it with with the change in the dividend payouts yeah, there's a lot of people who come up with ideas that will fix things and they don't look into what the root cause of the issue is. Mm. Um, and I think that's really what Football Index needs to be focusing on. And if they're doing that, they're working away hard at it, then then fair enough. Um, I think I've, ri- I've actually written in this uh, week's newsletter, which you guys should definitely subscribe to, um, that you know there has been in the past this kind of back and forth i'd call it with uh fi in terms of where they see themselves as a product in the future they've kind of you know the in play dividend introduction and then kind of going back and and forth with the long-term bet and trying to increase like short-term liquidity and volumes i think that's kind of seeped into the community a little bit as well because i've talked to so many people over the last three months about fi and, and various things and people have talked about you know how they'd like to uh bid an offer on the same player and bid across multiple players and and this functionality and this functionality and this functionality and i think the core problem that we've got right now is is there simply isn't enough liquidity in a illiquid market what you see is uh prices that that rise and fall quite in quite a volatile nature you see uh when there when someone wants to get out of a position the price is is absolutely hammered and you kind of see stagnation on markets um and you see a big premium on bits of that market that are liquid um which is i think all the things that we're seeing currently on fi but for me the the fundamentals need to be laid like we can't have the icing without the cake i mean you can if you just want to have um you know icing but that would be weird uh you can't have the icing without the cake and i think that um the fundamentals of having liquidity uh alongside depth and then moving on from there and anything else that has changed is kind of uh as a not a byproduct but um you know going on from that to increase the momentum and uh uh change the sentiment i think is is really key for fi to get right and i think customers traders have kind of gotten away from that where they're like well i'd also like this and and this whereas like the fundamentals just currently aren't there at the moment 
very heavily related to what you just said there, Fig. Do you think, and, and I suspect they were, do you think F, FI were forced to bring in order books earlier than they wanted to due to the COVID situation? Yeah, I mean, no doubt they were they were in a bit of a, between a rock and a hard place, right? They were in a situation where they were getting um, berated by traders, ex-traders that people couldn't sell. Um, and this gave the ability for people to sell. Uh, if they had their time back, would they maybe do that? Probably not. But like at the time, I don't think it was a terrible decision. Um, I think what actually hurt them most or more so was uh, not having liquidity providers in the wings ready for when they have offers coming in. And also the lag between bids and offers. I think those two things are key because, for example, if you have liquidity providers in place and they're providing, say, 60 to 70% of the liquidity in the market, Black Sunday doesn't happen. Right. So I think those were the two key, if I had to pinpoint two key things, those were the issues rather than the bid side of the order books coming in prematurely. I mean, that came in, but it was almost a necessity at the time. You know, people could not sell positions. Um, and, you know, prices were going up. And I think uh, people like Sam and, and Sigmund have talked about how um, some of the correction we saw, which is, which is definitely true, was due to prices massively building up and it being completely a one-sided book um and that was definitely a contributor to some of the prices falling heavily afterwards um some obviously have you know gone crazy amounts lower than anyone would have would have thought um and those are purely due to kind of like the ongoings uh, what fi have done since then um but i do think that those two key points for me were um were bits where fi messed up and probably should have well not probably definitely should have done a lot better yeah absolutely that and for me the bigger out of the two is is the liquidity provision when they brought orders and mm. offers in um i think realistically it would have been boring yes for that whole time between bids and offers but when those offers came in if people were looking to buy and not looking to sell and they weren't panicking when they saw depth was going we wouldn't have had the issues that we've had right yeah i i i i under i i believe that we we dealt with a pretty inefficient market before it, it might not seem it to us football index traders who had been using it before but football index in its old the way it was set up wasn't actually a fully functioning market. No, no. And we're still not there. I mean, we are not in a fully functioning market. That's, I think, some of the other things that people have been talking about. Like, why can't we have X and Y? And I'm like, well, that would be great if we had like a, a full book with liquidity and depth. But I don't really think that that works here. I think there's a lot of context to add to that. And I think that, um, you know, previously we had a situation where everyone would, would queue up to sell, which was weird. We had, a, as you mentioned, a very inefficient market. But I think the other maybe point that I want to pinpoint as well is considering FI knew that there was no liquidity, uh, the way they added the VWAP or, or the way that they uh, constructed it at that point um, was obviously not fit for purpose for, for a massively illiquid market and one without depth. Um, that was another a bad mistake from them. So I guess that falls into, I guess, part and parcel of the liquidity provision because you wouldn't have had to have that um, weird VWAP change if there was a lot of liquidity, which there wasn't. So I think if I had to pinpoint it, yeah, those two things um, were really, uh, you know, massively frustrating in hindsight for a lot of traders. And I think that, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a 
a reasonably long road back, I think, to restore restore the faith. And I think that um, FI have got to um, do a lot of work to instill confidence in, in traders. Because at this point, I think, because of what we've seen, the president, Baron and TC, a lot of traders now can't take a, a lot of what FI say at, at face value. You've both, I've both asked, I've asked you both like what you want to see, and it's the, the the key components that are the common denominators. There, not not to play on your math teacher. <laughs> I was about there, to pick you up. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, are uh, you know um, leadership, but also firm dates, firm lines in the sand, so that instill confidence, and that's a shame, isn't it? Yes, but to, to put a positive spin on it, I'm wary that we're, we've all three of us are, are very keen advocates of the of the platform, obviously, and I'm wary of, of bashing them too much to a certain degree. As a, as a wise other bear once said, "Don't take my uh, frustration for lack of belief in the product." <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll probably come to that in future questions, no doubt. But I, I haven't lost any faith of them going forward. But at the same time, as we've talked about in depth there it, it is key that we do have some firm confidence going forward just just to offer the alternative side of the coin on on firm dates is yes that's what i want but at the end of the day tech is hard to do um and giving firm dates for these things particularly when you've got a third party involved it, it, it can be really hard um you, you don't know what fi are responsible for doing you don't know what nasdaq are responsible for doing you don't know whose fault it is that it's delayed it is really hard to give firm dates for this sort of thing and and particularly hard when it seems so easy to do from the outside. Yeah, it does. And and also we know that FI have built a lot of this platform on quite old tech. So, you know, you can tell us better than anyone, TC, on how uh, how hard it is to build new functionality or, or bits of your product on, on old legacy technology. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. You've got this concept of tech debt where um, each time you make a quick quick fix to push something out the door, you, you're making things harder for future. And really what you should be doing is, is making it all as simple as possible and building for the future. But when you've got high demands from customers like us, maybe you'll try and just get something out there. Um, that might have been what happened with bids and that might have been why um, offers took so long to come. Mm. You've almost got your robbing Peter to pay Paul type scenario by the sound of things, TC. Exactly. Um, we've got a question here from FI uh, FFWT ball, uh, FI football. Um, do you have any concerns that Nasdaq may not happen and that market makers may never come in? For me, none whatsoever. So despite what we just talked about there, uh, I've got no qualms whatsoever as to it not happening at all. Because uh, simply without these products, FI as a, as a concept or as a company fails for me. And although it's frustrating at the moment, I still firmly believe 100% that Nasdaq uh, slash the market makers will be delivered. Now as to when, well, that's another question, isn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd go with, with that, um, particularly on the Nasdaq element. Um, it's, it's unlikely Nasdaq know or have experienced a customer like football index from, from what I know um, because football index are obviously minting new shares at peak. Um, they've got to transition over to the platform, um, but no, I'm confident that they'll get, get NASDAQ over the line, I guess on the question of market makers, it's a bit, bit different for me in terms of they could be really hard to get. You, you've got to get people who understand not just 
market making, but also football index and footballers and context around footballers um, and getting those on board might be a bit more difficult. Um, but that said, I think in the meantime, if they start to use LP1 properly and smartly to sort of provide bid floors and let us trade on top, I, I think that could be a good stopgap till then. That is a slight worry though, isn't it? The way that LP1 is currently being used, TC. Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, the way the way it's it's happening is is just silly. Um, there's, there's no other way to say it. If if that really is LP1, that's that's buying from market and then instant selling. That's not the way to do it. We need to be tightening spreads, um, and then people will feel sort of fear of missing out to to buy buy up. Um, yeah and because down. the walls are so thin you'd hope that that increases prices gradually you need to walk the bids up um, and i think buying from the market isn't a bad idea but only when the bids are tight and you've kind of walked them up if that makes sense yeah and even in that situation though i feel like if people see loads of trades going through at once they they feel like they need to list because if they list they'll be able to get on a cheaper bid elsewhere um so I, but for me even still i think it's it's about placing bids and, and gradually creeping them up and letting everyone else do the work and you know we, we've seen nasdaq for example talk about football index probably more than football index talk about nasdaq so i mean i you know i'd <laughs> definitely hope that they're not lying to us <laughs> no that's a really good point um they've 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 done it and mentioned football index in some conferences haven't they oh yeah like, like you know on uh national tv on, on news in america they've mentioned it on social media i think they um they are quite uh they're quite bullish on on kind of obviously um being like fi being one of the first gambling partners but also this is kind of the precursor to uh when america really has all the legislation to allow gambling and uh, nasdaq see that as a big opportunity obviously yeah that opens up a huge market doesn't it for them mm. and i wanted to ask you quickly um tc you know nasdaq you mentioned them being as a third party just what exactly will a nasdaq feet fi platform look like can you kind of trying to explain to the layman what is going on, what is happening and what it is that is going to be FI in the future with NASDAQ powering it? Because I think a lot of people I've seen to spoke to just think that, you know, uh, you know, NASDAQ will come in and prices will start increasing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really fair point. And op- openly and honestly, we, d- we don't know what NASDAQ really is. We don't know what has been agreed between Football Index and NASDAQ. They're going to provide a platform. That could mean a lot of things. That could just be the infrastructure, uh, um, base level infrastructure, and then Football Index's um, sort of what you see today on top of that. Um, it, it could be, okay, well, NASDAQ are actually creating this whole order book um, themselves that Football Index are going to use. Um, it's important to recognize that the benefits of NASDAQ will be things like increased resilience so that you won't have it, the app crashing when loads of people are trying to log on at once, like silly things like that. We'll, we'll be able to get that proper order book um, because of the platform. The platform will allow it. the things that NASDAQ won't bring are making you a better trader for, for one. Um, it's, it's not going to in itself make prices rise. It, it, <laughs> It is a platform at the end of the day. There's there's no 
sort of person sitting at Nasdaq's end that once it's live is going to pour loads of money in. Um, but over over time, it will draw in the sort of bigger money, or at least that's that's what the hope is. I mean, I suppose it's some sort of white label solution which is being catered to FI's needs and, and their platform. But as you've both mentioned, it's it's quite a unique thing. So it's it's very hard to currently envision what it would look like. But I'd be thinking that they are, you know, uh, doing something from the ground up, and that migration will be a big one. Um, we've got a question here from FI Lammings just to move us on from all that kind of talk about product market uh, and all that thrilling stuff about Nasdaq. Um, as a trend trader, do you feel like you're trading trends in football related activities or FI promotional trends? I think this is aimed at UTC. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a loaded question that one, maybe. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's a very fair point at, at the minute. Um, and generally, if, if you trade in trends, then you're effectively trying to predict what other people are going to do. If you're trying to predict what other people are going to do, I don't think you can just look at fixtures. I don't think you can just look at form. I think you've got to look at what Football Index are doing, is doing um, and how prices are going to move in line with that. So I do adapt my trading style based on not just form and fixtures, etc., but also what Football Index is going to do. And really annoying <laughs> it would be a lot easier to trade <laughs> short and medium term if you didn't have all this noise going on yeah i mean it is frustrating i think uh what panda said about six months ago now that i want to trade football as not announcements and i think people are kind of sick to death about of that because i think the what you mentioned before about like you know oh is there going to be another announcement after this announcement etc cetera, etc cetera. um but hoping that you know we'll be talking maybe in two three months time where we have such a different uh platform to cut to what we have currently and and uh the market is doing really well yeah i just just add to what tc said i completely agree with what he just said i think it's a bit of both isn't it i mean just like any other market be it cryptos currencies stock etc as a trend trader you're trading off the latest news aren't you be it football wise or product wise and i think it's really important to be adaptable to whatever's going on and you've got to be willing to change strategies to suit the current climate uh, I mean, a comparison I'd make to a different market, uh, for example, would be someone like uh, Elon Elon Musk at, at Tesla. You, you're not just gambling on Tesla as a product, be it his cars or his space ventures. You're also gambling on him as a person, aren't you? And his in whatever tweet he puts out that day. So it's not just FI that suffers the wrong word, but it's not just FI that has that that twin association with the product itself and whatever's happening in the football world. Yeah, I mean, if you're, you're trading currencies, you've probably got Donald Trump's Twitter on on kind of repeat, right? You're, you're refreshing it every single minute. I've got a question here from uh, Black Wolf uh, TC. How do you spot trends before they happen? Uh, do you hold a wide range of players and sell as they come into demand? Or do you predict the trend and go bigger on one or two players? Yeah, very good question. Um, so I, I don't ever go on one or two players. Um, I, yeah, it that that doesn't work for me that's too risky um but my my strategy's changed a lot over my time on football index um very sort of my structure of my portfolio on the field for the market um but i don't have any hard and fast rules um i've been on the right side of trades where things have gone well and i've held a high volume of them but i've also been on the horrible side where i've been on holiday during a massive injury and come back to see the prices crashed and i've lost a load of money um but Right now, I've got 46 players in my portfolio. Um, 
Whereas two weeks ago or so, I'd, I'd got fewer than 20. Um, it, it's just about my feel for the market and, and where I want to spread my risk, really. Um, and gen- generally, I try to... So most most people, I feel, spread their risk through having a large volume of players. And I like to look at it a bit different to that. And I try and think, okay, I'll try and spread my risk through volume of trades. So if you think, if, if, if you're making 20 trades a week and the majority are good, over the period of a few months, you've actually got quite a lot of trades in there. Um, so the risk on each trade is actually quite low. Um, that strategy is heavily dependent on the majority of your trades being good, though. Um, so it, it depends how confident I am in my trades at the time, I guess, as, as to how hard I'm willing to go into them. Mm. Um, I mean, we've got another question that is on these uh, trading of trends. Uh, Mick Turbo, I've always been keen to discuss trends. Uh, TC is someone who ha- always has a trendy section of my portfolio designed for short-term capital appreciation driven by temporary favorable circumstance. I'm resting a little bit with predicting capital appreciation under the order book system, as at times it seems spikes are less predictable or certain. Are you finding this? And if so, do you think it's something that will be more recognizable over time. So, I mean, in relation to the, the current state of the market and, you know, the way order books are currently set up, which, you know, I think we've all kind of agreed are not uh, not fit for purpose. Um, how have you been trading shorter term? Yeah, I think I think it's a fair call. Um, the other thing to consider here is price spikes don't just happen on buy price. Price spikes happen on the instant sell price. If you can get someone at a fifty percent discount or so, um, and then manage to sell them to market, then you've you've turned a huge profit. And and football index in the app or the website, it won't tell you that. The only way you'll know that is through buying them and selling them. So I think there have been opportunities to pick people up low on bids and then sell them to market. Um, so I think there are some some rises that that go unnoticed. Um, Generally, at the minute, it feels like there's a few things that are important. One is exit points, and two is sort of the near future dividends. Those those are the two trends at the minute. That <laughs> sorry, exit points is a, is a key part to any trade. But the key key trend I'm noticing at the minute is is that short term dividend um, win. On the other side, there is the trend of the instant sell. Right now, you can see a player who posts a good score that in the old football index would have reassured you that they were going to go on, win more dividends. Whereas now, you hold a player who gets pipped by one PB point, they get instant sold. And as long as they've got nice fixtures coming up, they'll they'll get oversold um, and then they'll just rise nicely in the, into the next week. Um, so I think, I think that are recognizable patterns you can see at the minute and they won't go away i don't think um but yeah i I, I do agree that it is slightly more difficult right now to find what's on trend um yeah yeah, because your 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 process might be correct but because of the way that the functionality currently works means that um due to the lack of liquidity that you are becoming this mini liquidity provider and people are just happy to hammer that instant sell button. But um, the sentiment might turn on that player that, uh, well, when is he actually going to go up again? And you're kind of stuck with them. 
Yeah, that is true. And I, I've been stung a couple of times picking up players on, on bids when they've been instant sold and then they've just kept going down. Mm. Um, but as, as I say, it's, I, I aim to get the majority right. I don't need to get every every single trade right. That's fine. Mm. Uh, we've got a question here from Football Index Tactics Nick, who, who uh, just written up an amazing post about Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, prior to his win. So he was, you know, he wasn't just, uh, he was forecasting a little bit with his predictions. But um, do go check that out. His question is to UTC. How much sympathy, if any, do you have with FI in terms of, of their tech change, heavily criticised, but can't, don't see what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, we've talked a little bit about NASDAQ, but currently there's a lot of issues that I think, you know, sometimes are quite inexplicable, <laughs> like really, really hard to kind of wrap your head around. And I wonder really if you can shed a bit of light on some of this. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good point. And we, we have spoken about it um, earlier on, but I guess... One of the key points for me is is customer needs. They're constantly changing, um, and for example, we, we we look at offers. We were all demanding, okay, we've got a one sided book. We can only bid. We can only bid. All the powers in the, in the hands of the sellers, etc. Um, then offers. We were demanding offers. They come in and oh, prices are still going down. So. For me, it's it's like football index are caught between a rock and a hard place sometimes, and customer needs are ever changing, ridiculously high demands. Um, and if you don't get what you want straight away, then then you're doing something terribly wrong. Um, another thing is is the sort of technology's hard just generally. It's hard to get it to do stuff you like, and they've got this dependency with Nasdaq. Obviously, that is purely. Um, with the idea of NASDAQ and, and not the minor issues, for example, PB scoring, etc. Um, but Football Index have got a limited amount of resource, as does every company ever. Um, and they've got to dedicate time to looking at what is important and they've got to prioritize somehow. Um, and if you asked 50 Football Index traders to come up with their prioritized list of what needs sorting, I... I think that most people will give you a different list, probably a different top three even. Um, and so that in itself is is an issue. Um, and that's where Football Index needs to sit down and decide, okay, what's worth spending time on right mm. now? Um, and that's that's the stuff that, okay, will NASDAQ sort it? Because if NASDAQ does sort it, what's the point spending time on it now? Yeah, I mean, what's to play devil's advocate there? What about stuff like... Um you know, the three-year bet mark or the um, 30-day IPD kind of filter on portfolios, et cetera, et cetera. Like, um, you know, people want to know when their shares expire. Like, that's seemingly quite a big deal that's not been really fixed for two to three years. Like, surely there is something else there, um, TC, that's stopping FI doing some of these seemingly from the outside quite easy things. Yeah, so and and there's a, there's a couple of reasons for that. Probably like they could they could be running on old tech, old tech that's hard to change, or tech that doesn't line up with what we want it to do. Um, and maybe they'd have to go undergo a huge um, sort of restructure of the way they built it. Um, when really that could be resolved by Nasdaq. The other thing is, as I mentioned, you've, they've got limited resources, so. If they're working on that, they're not working on something else. And most of these things, most of these issues that we notice are with the tech. 
It's not like we're saying, okay, well, your adverts are in the wrong place. So you've got a limited number of dev resources and they've got to spend their time on the right thing. Um, for me, PB scoring in play, that's the most important. But as you say, other people, three-year expiry, that's the most important. It, different horses for different courses. <laughs> Quick question from me, TC, on that. The thing that my current biggest bugbear on, on FI is the separation of bid offers and sell offers. And you can't, especially if you've got 200 offers or, or, or bids in at the same time. From your experience, uh, and I don't know, this might be outside your field, but how long or how big a job would that be to implement? Um, <laughs> so very simple things can take a ridiculous amount of time and you have to understand what's going on below um, to really know that. So something like that could be done in a couple of weeks, I guess, depending whether the underlying tech is set up to allow them to do that. If they then had to actually rebuild stuff to be able to show it on your UI, that's a different question. Right, and that's certainly, I don't think something, including myself, doesn't <laughs> fully appreciate at times. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard, isn't it? Like, you don't really know what's under the hood, but I suppose when we're five years down the line, you'd expect, I think it's more... You know, you can have sympathy with FI about like the underlying tech, but I think it's a competency thing that people don't have the sympathy with, right? If that makes sense. It's like they're five years down the line now. How has some of this stuff not been fixed? Um, and I understand the kind of explanation from a, from a tech standpoint. I, I do understand that. But, you know, I look around at, um, you know, what hasn't been changed for so, so long. And I'm just like, something isn't right there but i suppose you know the other side of the coin is as you may well have put tc that nasdaq could fix a lot of this stuff exactly and and maybe from football index's perspective they were going to launch nasdaq this january just gone <laughs> and that didn't happen but it was meant to fix loads of this stuff so they didn't bother working on it before then it just looks more and more ridiculous as <laughs> as the nasdaq deadline pushes out but like what what can they do right here right now they've got to prioritize something well, before we move on, I need to remind you this episode is brought to you by The Athletic. The Athletic is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage featuring football reporters you know and love like David Ornstein, James Pierce, Sam Lee and Rafa Honigstein. The Athletic is telling stories you won't find anywhere else. No ads or clickbait, just create sports writing. So for 40% off your annual subscription to the best sports writing around, and I really do mean that, go to theathletic.co.uk slash fig that's the athletic.co.uk slash fig and it's £2.99 if you go for the annual deal that's monthly and um, TC have you bought anything recently that's cost you more than £2.99 um no I don't think so I don't spend, <laughs> tend to spend that much he works in IT he doesn't get outside the office does he like fucking hell fair enough there Two ninety nine. What did I buy today? I went into town today to buy a cookie, and that cost me one pound fifty. So no. Um, there we go. But not not quite. But to further enhance your uh, a view there of the athletic, I read a piece this morning on Olivia Bernard, the former Newcastle fullback. This is completely mm. unrelated to FI talk, by the way. He now owns a bar. Now owns a bar. Really? In, in, in Blythe, just just north of Newcastle. Uh, and just chilling. Yeah, yeah. He's been there for twenty years. Some of the uh, David Bentley approach. Um, yeah, you remember him? Right. 
he went to what did he it went to Spain and uh, opened Marbella, up a few restaurants and yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah classic fair play to him but yeah no go check it out uh, theathletic.co.uk slash fig 40% off your annual subscription uh, £2.99 a month it's really good value for money uh, question here from old man fi um from the fig discord having a career based in education what are your thoughts on the lack of educational content from football index to support new traders joining the platform and new features such as the transition to order books do you think they're missing a significant opportunity with this does the fi academy meet expectations bear i guess this is your area of expertise yeah, so uh, with regards to the general content to support the new traders, I think the FI Academy itself does a great job, but it's the problem where it's positioned. It, it needs to be more front and centre for me, and but it's hard though, isn't it? I mean, it's the old adage that you can lead a horse to water, but not always to drink, or, or in my case as a teacher, I can, I can lead a student to a question, but not always rely on them to think. And so I, I would put the Academy more front and centre, first of all, that would be my, my first port of call to, to help new traders with that. Now, with regards to the transition to OBs or order books, I think they can do an awful lot more here. Um, but I'm speculating here, and I'm not sure they themselves as a company were expecting OBs or form of it uh, to be brought in at this stage, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, I, I think without COVID, perhaps, then they still wouldn't have even brought in the, the bid side or the sell side. So th- they're a bit unlucky, for want of a better term there, and having to bring their plans forward. And so it's a little bit rushed. And so maybe they haven't thought about the videos and the instructions before that. Um, another bit of positive news though that I see they're having a webinar t- uh, tomorrow this is being recorded on Wednesday 28th uh, of October uh, and they're having, running a webinar tomorrow tomorrow night so so that is a, is a positive bit of, a bit of news but again I think they need to advertise that better I mean I, I was only aware of that two days ago and, and that's- Are you surprised as well Bear that that's been done by a third party and not by FI themselves? <laughs> Yes and no, um, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, with FI, sadly, with FI these days, nothing surprises you, does it? Um, but at the same time, whether it's run by a third party or FI themselves, it's good that they are doing it. Uh, so again, again, you don't want to hammer the company for every single small mistake they make. They are trying, obviously, but it it needs to be more front and centre. It, it is the is the crux of the matter here. Is there any chance, do you reckon, we can get LP1 along to that webinar? <laughs> <laughs> what are you suggesting, LTC? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I just question using a third party. I, I know the, the intention of it is to kind of try and attract the, the certain trader persona that FI want through using people like Amplify or whatever, but... If it is the case of educational content from the the core of it, right after Black Sunday, I made a video explaining why some of these drops happened, and it got like six thousand views overnight. Right, um, I was shocked by that, and I was shocked by some of the comments of people saying, "Thanks so much, this explains so much." And at that point, I was like, "Well, there needs to be more, right? There needs to be more from FI where they explain." to the very, very, very basics of how to do things. And I just don't think that they do enough of that. And I think they, as they complicate the product, whether it's through uh, functionality or uh, a big change in the way you buy and sell players, or if it's a new dividend structure or an addition to the dividend structure, FI, I think, need to do a lot more. Um, because I think content is is king in, in this modern world, whether it be 
um, for your marketing or your kind of educational content. I think FI need to step up that that level of their game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and again, to turn an answer into a question, what would you do or what would you have them do with the FI Academy? Because it, it, there's a lot of good material there, but how many people have actually watched it? I, I know for, for a fact that I, I didn't watch it at all when I joined it and I still haven't really, but... No, but I mean, uh, I think it's a combination of things, right? Like, I think that the content is there first and foremost, right? Whether it's, um, uh, you know, on the website, in the app, um, on YouTube, whatever it may be. I also think that there's... um, it's also an onboarding thing, right? When you are signing up to the app, and this has definitely changed since I joined in January 2016, of course, you now are presented with like a, a little carousel that shows you this and this. I think that needs to be like extensive, like really, really extensive. Like this is your like FI starter pack kind of thing. Like this is where you should go to learn the absolute basics. Um And I think that, as I said, as you said, right, it's it's not really front and center in the app enough. It's almost a catch-22 situation though, isn't it? Especially with today's instant society, that if you've got all these boxes popping up, you're just going to click skip, 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 skip until you get to the actual platform. And that is a problem. Attention span, to take it back to education for a split second, attention span of children and students is evaporating. And that that you can see that in the adults as well because of social media and other factors and so how do you get all that information and there's a lot of information to take in especially if you're you're new to trading how do you condense all that information and content into a, a time period where people are actually going to bother watching it or, or take take notice i've been meaning to make a video called football index in five minutes and it's just it's very hard um i can tell you that for free and I do sympathize with them in, in that regard. I did, I mean, slightly adjacent to this, not really answering your question there, but I don't know if either of you have seen that recent um, advert by Betfair, uh, where it's kind of the classic, like, you know, somber background music, man in like a uh, black suit kind of walking over to a bar, sitting down about to play his, place his bet. But he kind of explains what back and lay mean for the Betfair exchange in very, very like simple terms. And that was quite like a, not like a aha moment to me, but that I was very much like, why are they doing that? They're doing that because they've probably saturated the market of people that understand exchanges uh, and they want to bring in new money um, that maybe haven't used this kind of environment before. And I think if I have to approach their product like that, you know, I get it. It's a football stock market. You can buy and sell players. But there needs to be more, I think, outwards, but also when people are onboarded and on the on the product. The other question on the top of that is as to who they're looking to attract going forward, isn't it? I mean, if they're looking to attract more city traders, then of course you'd like to think that they've already got background in that, and so they don't need that onboarding process. If if they want to attract the more casual gambler, then then yes, they do. So it depends what direction they want to go in. I think it, it circles right back to that initial conversation we had right about the the lack of clarity that we have on as traders on the future state of fi i mean i guess with nasdaq coming in you, you'd hedge your bets on it being catered more towards or them wanting more higher depositors and, and people trading uh more um and also just getting more big money into the platform um but it's still hard for us to say isn't it i suppose you are right in in thinking, you know, if there is um, less onboarding needed for those 
traders and they're like well you know i've traded fx and and this and that why the hell would i need to um look at all this kind of how to i know what i'm doing then you know fair enough but i i, I don't know i still think there's a in this kind of time period or, or turbulent period as well and i think going forward if i should fight for every customer that they can get and and make that net as wide as possible and whether that comes from the marketing that they do that is you know on stuff like uh the non-league papers and you know sky sports they are obviously catered to to the everyman but they are also going to be advertising on on other bits that kind of attract the maybe more established uh trader and person with more money i think that you do need that kind of general fit onboarding process that helps uh everyone under that umbrella but that definitely helps those people that are kind of the layman a lot more yeah, I, I agree. And, and and just to go back to the specifics uh, of the webinar that, that's due to be run, do we know if that's being recorded and then published up? I I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, if, if it's not, then that's a shambles, isn't it? I mean, it, it's, <laughs> to, to speak honestly, because if it's being recorded 5 to 6 p.m., I've, I've heard plenty of people say, I'm at work, understandably, yeah. at 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And and if you're only going to get, I don't know, I'm, I'm massively speculating here, but if you're only going to get 100, 200 people watching that, then what is the point of even running it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's definitely something to mull over. Uh, I think I, I question the kind of amount of resource that goes into that kind of thing, the, the podcast that they run, et cetera, and whether or not that could be reallocated into any other areas of the, of the platform. Um, that being said, they, they kind of know the the numbers and data behind that, how many people are listening, how many people are watching, uh, how many people sign up to the webinar. So let's see, maybe we're, we're speaking too soon. Uh, we've got a, another question here from the Fig Discord from Perry FI. With Kimmick hitting a run of PB wins, a topic for debate is the value of historical data analysis to judge future performance. What is your view on this and what is the right balance between data analysis and using your football knowledge to judge a player's future PB potential? I think it's a great question, Perry. Um yeah, I think this can be applied across other markets again and not just FI in relation to using historical data to judge future performance or future gains. I think it can certainly be useful, but in a sport like football that has so many variables, it's important that these variables stay the same or as close to in order to rely on the historical data to a degree of around about, I don't know, 75 or 80% or more. If I give you an example, someone like Kimmich, for example, if he stays at Bayern next season, which is highly likely. And Hansi Flick stays as the coach, again, highly likely. And the tactics stay reasonably similar, again, highly likely, you'd probably say. Then you can put a good reliability case forward for using historical performance uh, for his future performance. Uh, and we've seen that in evidence already for Kimmich this season. I think he's been a little bit lucky, hasn't he, winning the star mans uh, with relatively low scores for star man. But it's proven that you can use those historical stats as a future prediction. On the flip side of that, if the variables change then you have to be much more cautious on using the past data. An example being like Teji Sevenar, for example, a PB beast at, at Nimes, but he's not guaranteed to repeat this after a transfer to Montpellier. Does he keep set pieces, for example? Will he have the same role in the team? Is he the main man? Now, I've chosen Savonar because he has managed to actually put in some decent scores, hasn't he, this season? Uh, and But you still have to be careful of the likes of Mollet at Montpellier, who's been suspended recently, and would he usually take some pieces off him? 
So you have to monitor these players more after variable has changed. Uh, would be my caveat to that. And the same applies to someone like, uh, sorry, the same applies to someone like TAA Trent Alexander Arnold, with a slight tactical change, which you've mentioned previously that Nick did a brilliant article on, which is well worth a read. So if the variables stay the same, yes, you can rely upon it. If the variables change, then proceed with caution. Yeah, I think that's a great summary. Um, and something along those lines is how I like to predict future dividends. I I tend to split things. Um, so how many dividends is a player going to win at this current club, do I think? Um, can use some past data for that if I think the team's reasonably stable, if I think they're going to be the main set-piece taker, for example, at, at that club. Um, are, are they going to be the focal point of the team, etc.? Um, and then also look at, okay, so what about after that? What are the options for the clubs and how good is that going to be for dividends? But all you can give there really, as as you mentioned, is is a ballpark figure. We we don't even know where a player is going to be in five years' time, um, but you can think about potential avenues for them based on their quality um, and, and do a finger in the air sort of thing on, on where they'll be. Mm. I think um, I mentioned uh, Dan Altman um, from Smarter Scout did it an awesome post on on LinkedIn that I posted on Twitter actually, and it was about how he'd personally come under fire as this kind of you know money ball type person in football, um, and how they like lots of scouts and, and clubs have been like, oh well, you know what will we do with our scouts, blah blah, blah. and he was kind of like there's this weird friction between, you know, uh, people who love watching the game with their eyes and, and nothing else and people who, who really love data, where in actual fact, like, the people that are doing the best, both in real football, whether it's your Liverpools or, um, you know, Bayerns or uh, Dortmund from a recruitment perspective, are using both of those things. They're using their great scouting network, but they're also using this underlying data to see whether or not those two things match. And it's not like a one scout thinks, I'll tell you what, this guy's a player and they sign him. It doesn't really work like that. And I think the, the same has to be applied to football index in some way you know as a trader you're watching players uh that is data in itself i think pb man uh said that quite a few times when he when he's come on the pod before like you are automatically comparing that player to every other player you've watched or specifically players in their position right when you watch a, a center back you automatically compare his his actions to the best center back you've watched or, or of recent memory and i think it's really important to compare Combine those things with kind of like data or metrics that you use, um, which is why stuff like index gain is so uh, useful. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's going to automatically make you money. Yeah, I agree agree with all that, Fig. And you can almost compare it to poker, can't you? Like you're saying who would win heads up between an online poker player and a, an expert live player? And the answer, in all honesty, is probably probably end up a five five split, wouldn't it? And it, and it's about taking the best parts of both both uh, both worlds, really. Mm, mm. Operating in the grey can be very profitable on FI. So I think there are things that are very nuanced that can mean very big things for a player, right? Whether it's a slight tactical tweak or um, a player playing on the left rather than the right or a player not taking those corners anymore, a player not being on penalties anymore. In the real world, I guess uh, those things aren't massive, um, but on FI they can mean the world of difference, as you've kind of explained with Savonier. Yeah, it, it's... it's... <laughs> 
it's stats, isn't it? Statistics. It's so, so important. You put context to statistics. You can read whatever you want with statistics, can't you? Especially if you're a politician. So it's so important to apply the analysis correctly with stats. I think that's the big thing. Yeah, I, you know, I, if that is such an important um, mention, um, like it's it's definitely something that needs to come to the fore more. Um, like using data is great, but applying context to that data is even more important. Uh, we've got another question here from Joe Stoker. It's actually the last question of the day. Juventus have already drawn three games this season. Do you think their time as Serie A champions is up? If so, who will win the league? Do you back against the team that has won the league nine times in a <laughs> trot? I, I think the simple answer is no, uh, but I can certainly see uh, why some might be questioning them after two successful, uh, successive rather disappointing one-all draws, aren't they? At way to Crotone and then at home to Verona most recently. I was also surprised that they gave a job to Andrea Paolo, who's got no managerial experience whatsoever, presuming you don't count the nine days he had in, in charge of the, the under-23s, the Juve under-23s. But what was interesting, I was reading the other day, actually, that in his thesis, he had to do a thesis as part of his uh, UEFA Pro Licence, the 30 page. Yeah, I read about this as well. Yeah, okay, so you probably know what I'm going to say next then. He, he cited the coaches and the influences on, on his style as Guardiolo, Cruyff, Louis van Gaal, as you'd expect, but also Antonio Conte's Juventus side. And uh, ironically, I think it's Conte that will once again provide the biggest challenge. Um, so... <laughs> It, for me, Juve will finish first. I do expect them still to win, um, but I think Inter are going to push them a, a, a lot, lot, uh, a lot harder. Perhaps, well, not as much a lot harder than last season because they went close last season, but but even closer. And I also expect AC Milan to to go really, really close as well. And they've had a cracking start to the season. Um, so my final prediction: I'm going to go go bold here. Juventus first, Inter second, AC third, and I fully expect Napoli and the swashbucklings Rosulo to fade. See, I think um, I think Napoli might be up there. They look really, really good this season. I think um, it's weird, isn't it? Though, like we expected Pirlo to play like very elegant and uh, amazing football, and what we've seen from Juventus is more like a, I guess, a bit of a pragmatism. And with Gattuso, you expected him to be this very defensive, structured coach, which. You know, let's be honest, at Milan, he kind of was that type of uh, coach where he was just in trying to get the structure correct. Um, and he's kind of just given this Napoli team the license to play. He's, he's done the, you know, 4-2-3-1 where you let that forward forward just do what they want and they just look scintillated, uh, scintillating at times. I think the the top four will be that, but I'm, I think Napoli might actually be closer towards the top. Yeah, I, f- I fancy Napoli to give Juve a run for their money. Um I think AC are probably up there as well. Um, I think they've looked really sharp. Um, I know the results haven't necessarily been smashing, but um, I think I think they've looked a lot better this season. And Juve just, they're not filling me with confidence at all. Mm. Um <laughs> Football index wise, I'm I'm reluctant to hold any any Juve holds at the minute. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't be an advocate of holding any of the Juve players. But just to go back to Napoli, the, the reason why I don't think Napoli are going to finish within a shout, I just don't think they're going to be consistent enough. And I'll just read off their four uh, four games they've had so far in the league. Napoli six, Genoa nil, Juventus three, Napoli nil, Napoli four, Atalanta one. And Benevento won Napoli too. So they're all over the shop, positive and but, negative. But, but Na- and Napoli had to forfeit that game, right? 
Of course they did, yeah. Oh, yeah, because they didn't have enough space, <laughs> did they? Oh, scrap that, scrap that. I'm talking rubbish. Of course they are. Yeah, completely forgot about that. <laughs> I was like, he seems to know so much about Serie A. But then Rate says, that but maybe before. not. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, I was, I was thinking, like, when the hell did Juventus batter them? Oh man. Um, yeah, no, I think. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they didn't look too good in their last game, Napoli, from from what I saw in the highlights. And um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting season in Serie A. I think it's going to be great to watch. What I will say, I hope someone other than Juventus <laughs> does win it. So whether it's Napoli or yeah. it's AC, it's just for the sake of the league. Uh, no one likes the league, be it the French league, uh, Scottish league, the Serie A. No one likes a team, in the Bundesliga as well, where a team just constantly wins it. And from a neutral, I'm loving the EPL right now this season because it, it, it's so much more exciting. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who's going to win which league. I mean, PSG and Bayern will win their respectives, but apart from that, it's... Did I manage to change yeah. the conversation on from... Uh... <laughs> That's pretty well pretty well it's like you've done this before <laughs> um <laughs> well i think that's all we've got time for thank you both so much for coming on that was awesome um tc where can people find out more about you only on index gain only on index gain indeed you're gonna make forays into twitter i've thought about it this could be your platform oh wow thank you um no i, th- I did think about it but it was a very brief thought <laughs> <laughs> um and trading bear I've been trying to convince him to get on Twitter for four months. Uh, you can find me on, on Twitter at TradingBear1 or IndexGain on the Slack community uh, on there as well. Brilliant. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening and submitting your questions. Sorry if we didn't get to answer all of them. Um, as always, there's quite a few. Uh, thank you, everyone, who's given us you know reviews and stuff recently. If you're commuting right now, um, be safe on your commutes, wash your hands and, and wear a mask and all that good stuff. If you're not commuting, um, doing whatever you're doing uh, in the bath or running, whatever, have a uh, good time doing so. Remember, Football Index is a gambling platform. Only bet what you can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops. Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you next week. 